0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast. This is episode 74, um, How to Make Chief, I think. (laughs) And this is going to be me discussing my experience with the board process. Um, There's a ton of tribal knowledge, misinformation, and speculation out there, which I talked about what I knew at the time, all the way back, uh, I believe it's episode 25, uh, when I talked about the Chiefs package stuff. And that was based on research and conversations, but not actual real-life experience. Um, And it focused a lot more on package preparation and submission, which is stuff that's found in instructions and that I do have a lot of experience with. Where this one's going to be more focused on the procedure and process that happens at the board and my experience with it. Uh, With that being said, there's only so much I can say. Um, I don't agree that it's all secret. um, And I, despite asking, never had the reason for that explained to me. Um, But I also signed paperwork saying that I wouldn't talk about it and that I could be punished for violating it. So I can only go into what is readily available on, uh, the, it used to be NPC and now my NAVHR website. There is a slide deck there uh, that has a lot of really great information, um, pictures, etc. There's some stuff in the PowerPoint notes function on that PowerPoint. And uh, the stuff that's readily available in all of the references, which we'll talk about. So um, what I can tell you is that I sat at the board. And I'll share what I'm allowed to regarding what I learned from the process, along with what I learned from all my prior research, to paint the most vivid and detailed image that I am allowed to um, on how exactly someone makes chief. And uh, I can tell you, there's not anything exact about it. Um, also, as I mentioned, procedurally, not much has changed from when I recorded episode 25 about four years ago. So if you haven't listened to that and you're looking for stuff on letter of the board preparation and submission or chiefs package preparation submission go back to episode 25 there's also a youtube video on it that's kind of like a a narrated slideshow with pictures and uh there's a bunch of links and stuff in the show notes and everything like that so um or in the outline on the website if you download the outline all the urls are in there um and, and again some of that has changed and there will be some of that the new stuff it's just the my navy hr links have have changed um, and a little bit. I think the advancement manual has updated since then, so the chapters, some of the chapter stuff has changed, but we'll get into all that. Um, if you have questions about this stuff, hit us up. Don't give up the podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the podcast or you can DM us on Instagram or Reddit at D Podcast. Just let us know. Um, happy to answer any of those questions if I can, all right? And, and I, I want to have the discussions with you if you have questions about like the how or why, but again, I mean, there's only so much detail I can go into. Um, None of this is going to be anything beyond what you would hear at board training given by board members using that PowerPoint. So I just want to make that clear. (laughs) That disclaimer is that unfortunately I can only talk about so much. Um, I will share some of my opinions on stuff at the end Uh, again, without violating any of the non-disclosure stuff. So, uh, Let's get started. So at, at the beginning, I kind of want to outline the process on paper of how someone makes chief. So procedurally, the process goes, you meet time and rate requirements, which is three years without a time and rate waiver, which you receive by getting an early promote on a regular ranked evaluation. Uh, this can be verified by your ESO uh, and the prerequisites listed in the advancement manual and nav admin. So there's a, there can be a lot of them, depending on what you do for a living. So uh, in the advancement manual, and particularly the nav admin, there's stuff about security clearances, qualifications, higher tenures, etc. Um, just understand that there's a lot of requirements that affect your eligibility. So based on your rating, do that research and figure out, hey, what are my security clearance requirements? What are my qualification requirements, um, etc. cetera? There's, there's certain things in certain career fields like nukes, for instance, on submarines, at least. There's considerations for uh senior chief i know for sure you have to be qualified edmc and which is like rdmc and a carrier and then i want to say for chief you have to be qualified engineering watch supervisor again don't quote me on these things look them up but those are some four examples there are hard and fast requirements for nukes to make chief and senior chief and, and so on so you have to meet all those prerequisites for your board package to be your board package and your record to be reviewed at the board uh, for you to be considered eligible so once your exam eligibility has been verified which i'll talk about in a little more detail in a bit uh, on like how you do that Um, in january of the year you're eligible you take the e7 exam not unlike other exams this doesn't advance you to chief it simply advances you to the next stage in the process of advancement to chief which is the selection board. And every, you'll hear everybody refer to it as as making board when you pass the exam and exceed the final multiple required to uh, move on to the selection board. So when you successfully make board, this means your record should be reviewed at the selection board. Schedule re- released in the nav admin for your cycle, so make sure you're on the boards page uh, on my, the My Navy HR site. When you go there, there's... Um, I, and I have the URL here in the outline and it'll be in the show notes but you go to my navy hr um i believe it is career tools or something i'm trying to scroll down in my outline here to get because it's it's later on um here we go career management boards active duty enlisted and then cpo selection boards or general information there's a lot of really great info on the website so make sure you're reviewing all that as well um and that's where you can get the nav admin that's like the easiest way to find the nav admin for your cycle as well as the precepts convening letter etc when those are released um I say should when I say your record should be reviewed at the board after passing the exam and quote-unquote making board because you need to check your eligibility by accessing your profile sheet on my Navy portal in the advancement section and by ensuring you meet all the requirements listed in the NAV admin and Chapter 2 of Bupers Instruction 1430.16 series. I believe it's golf right now, um, which is the is the enlisted advancement manual. You need to make sure that you're eligible so when you log in, If there isn't a profile sheet or it says BUPERS invalid, you need to immediately contact PERS 802 to fix it. If you do not have a profile sheet via my Navy portal that says selection board eligible, or it'll say S-E-L-B-D for an abbreviation and then eligible, you will not be considered at the selection board. So if you don't have that when you log in, you need to fix it. You fix it by talking to your ESO, your chain of command and PERS 802. Okay. Okay. This thing gets updated frequently, and if something changes or in review of something, they don't see all the things they need to see, it it could be invalidated. So you need to be consistently checking that uh, up to the board convening and um, ensure that you have the selection board eligible status so that you are in fact reviewed at the selection board. So now that you made board, okay, so now we're there, we're at, we verified that you're in fact eligible via my Navy portal. Uh, so now what? Well, as early and often as possible, you should be reviewing your record. So what does that mean? Well, it means ensuring that what the selection board member has in front of them is as accurate as humanly possible. I say that purposefully because when we, like, we can only see certain things. And the things that we can see are your OMPF, field codes 30 to 38. Those definitions are listed in Milpersman article 1070 tech 080. We can see your PSR. So if you go to Bubers online and click the ODC OSR PSR link, that's what we see. That's where that data is from. And three is your letter to the board or your package. That's it. I don't see anything else, including incepts, prims, your electronic training jacket, or any other system you think that maybe somebody told you once, or you think it might be relevant, or you think we might be able to see it. That is not correct. (laughs) All we can see is your PSR, your own PF field code 30 to 38, and your letter of the board, or your cheese package. That's all we got. Okay? So, you've thoroughly reviewed those things, and one of two things has happened. One, you found errors or missing items, uh, or two, everything's squared away. Squared away looks like, one, all the documents that should be there are there. So, you're looking through your PF and all the evals and your eval continuity and everything else, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And, the, the, like, there's nothing missing. Everything's there. Or two, there are none present that should not be i.e. someone else's njp or something like that or an eval that's not flattering that's in fact not you and it also means no eval gaps so what's an eval gap it's any period of undocumented performance so if you were to have an eval that ends on september 15th 2020 for example and the next one doesn't start in your record and or your psr until november 30th 2020 that's an eval gap right there's many ways Uh, that these things can be fixed or explained in a package so don't freak out if you identify a gap just go see your admin folks with the identified gap and figure out a solution the best way to recognize this gap is is if you go to the odc OSR PSR link on bol that i mentioned earlier you click on that you scroll down and there's a hyperlink that says eval continuity report click on that this report will show you if you have a gap or not and point to when and why you can also just manually review all those dates on your psr but you need to make sure there's no gaps and if there are gaps you need to address those all right and it could be an eval that you have in your i love me binder or some kind of uh uh performance uh i think they're called pims performance information memorandum something like that there's going to be either a document that you have that's not in your record or you need to do a correction letter with your admin folks to get that continuity addressed so that you you have the ability to explain it to the board but don't leave it unexplained okay that that needs to be something that's clearly identified and explained in your letter to the board so that there's no period of undocumented performance for the board to look at and not know what to do with it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big deal if you have a period of undocumented performance. Like if you have an eval gap, we have to consider that, hey, there's something missing. Why is it missing? We don't know. So that it's like the unknown is bad. <laughs> Explain it. So uh, now let's say there's something missing from your record or even more common, something not in your record that you feel the board needs to see in relation to your merit for advancement achieved. So what do I mean by that? So think awards, evals that haven't been scanned in, which you would consider, uh, you could consider missing, but a qualification you just finished up or a civilian industry certification, which is common among IT and CS ratings, and I'm sure there's others. Uh, if it's not in your record, in the above-reviewed areas, that we, like the, the things that we're going to be looking at, right? If it's not in your own PF and I can't see it on an eval, and you think the board needs to see it, like it's <laughs> something that is on your enlisted career path or something that you think is a big deal in your community and you want the board to see it, put it in your package. Okay, We don't need repeats just to make sure if it's in your record or documented on an eval that's in your record, you're going to get credit for it. The only notable exception could be, and I say could because if it's in your eval, you should get credit for it. But if like, let's say you got your MTS, your master training specialist certification a long time ago, like 10 years ago and like we're not always going to go that far back because we don't always need to because we have the documented performance that uh we need to evaluate you for chief but you you think it's really important that the board needs to see that you could get dinged if if they recognize that you have an instructor nec but they don't for some reason see the mts nec something like that that's a thing where it's like even then i mean we should see it in your psr it should identify that nec but um, if there's something like that, maybe MTS was a bad example, but if there's something like that that happened a while ago, but you just want to make sure that, every, that, that that it's seen at the board, you could submit that qualification or award or whatever. But if it's in an eval in the last five or six years, um, we're most likely going to see it when we're evaluating your record. Um, it can't hurt to submit something that you think will make an impact on the board member that's creating your record. However, (laughs) I don't need you to submit your whole I love me binder just to make sure if it's already contained in your OMPF and PSR, and I mean documented on an eval or the document itself is scanned in or whatever, right? If If it's documented performance already in the OMPF field codes, 30 to 38, your PSR, it's like, I'm going to see it and I'm going to give it, give you credit for it already. So I don't need you to scan in everything just in case, like, so that I see a ton of doubles just makes my life hurt and makes me more prone to human error. And we'll, we'll get to that later. It's just, like I'm reviewing a, a ton of administration. So I don't need a ton of extra work, if that makes sense. So if you, if it's in there and it's re- real obvious, like, on the eval or scanned a scanned in document like an award, I don't need it twice. I'm gonna see it in your own PF. Just review your record, and make sure it's there. So now, moving on to a letter to the board or package. Okay, that this is the only acceptable means for communicating with the selection board. Um, it's really underutilized in my opinion, and I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, just to clear up any tribal knowledge, there used to be a function where if you earned a significant qualification or award the command that you're attached to could communicate that to the board via naval message. That is not real anymore. That's gone away. It's been gone for years. So if you've heard that, that is false. The only way that you can communicate that your performance can be communicated is through your documented records that we're, we're looking at, which is your own PF, your PSR, and then through your letter to the board or your chief's package. Right? So, uh, i mentioned it's i think it's underutilized and the reason why is most people view it simply as an administrative function for the submission of documents to the board right so something you want us to see or something that's missing it's a lot more than that if you have an issue with your record and it's something that is explainable then explain it why did you do back-to-back shore duty like are you are you mill to mill is your spouse also in the military and that's what they had to align you guys that that's an that's a a very valid reason that explains the unknown to me when i'm just looking at your psr and your history of assignments why did you not earn your exw pin or your expeditionary pin at what appears to me to be an exw command were you not program eligible it happens right There's times where when we're evaluating your commands, we're like, this looks like an expeditionary command and people ask the question, well, why didn't they get their EXW pin? Well, you may have just been on a staff that wasn't eligible for getting that pin. Explain it. Why are you assigned completely out of rate? Right. Maybe you were pulled for a special skill that you have. Maybe it's a language. Maybe it's something else. Right. Like, who knows? But. Explain it like why you being completely out of rate might be something where it's like based on that. You don't have the opportunity to be an LPO, but you're making up for that in other ways. And the impact of the duty you were pulled for, whatever. Explain it. Even if you do something crazy, like even if you get in trouble, even if you get a DUI and you have documented some recovery, right? Maybe you haven't gotten all the way back yet, but you've you've shown that you're attacking the problem that you're working your way back and that you're hungry to advance and you've learned your lesson and you're taking ownership of it, it means something for you to take that ownership of your mistake and explain how you've learned from it and used it to teach and lead your sailors. Tell me that in your letter to the board. That means something to me. We're human beings. We're leaders that want you to succeed. And when you communicate that in a letter to the board that, hey, this happened, this is what happened, this is why it happened... I'm, I own my mistake. And these are the things I'm doing to get better and share those lessons with my sailors to ensure they don't make the same mistakes I did. That's going to That's gonna matter in my grading when I'm looking at your record versus if I'm just left to just be, oh, well, there was a bump in the road there. There's a, there's a, a significant problems eval here. And I've got a field code 38, which is effectively an NJP that I, I reviewed. And I have to brief that. But It's a lot easier for the grader to advocate for you if you give them something to advocate for. I hope that makes sense. So now uh, I want to move on to references. So it's been a while since I did this type of topic, um, but I always, always, always want to review the references. I want to make sure you are aware of what they are and where to find them so that you're not falling victim to tribal knowledge. When you don't have to okay it's very important that you review these references so you know exactly what needs to be done and exactly how it and when it needs to be done so all advancement cycles start with a nav admin you can find that nav admin like i mentioned earlier on the my navy hr website which is formerly the npc website under career managements so on the top menu bar you'll click career management and, and you can hover over it and uh it'll like bring up the sub menus and then click boards active duty enlisted and cpo selection boards okay that's for for the sake of this topic that's what we're talking about there's also senior chief master chief boards and a general information page that has a lot of really great uh info on that as well and again this hyperlink will be in the show notes and it will also be in the outline on the website so when the nav admins released it contains a wealth of information for all cycles for like even for e6 and below like there's a lot of great information in those nav admins So take the time to actually read it. In the case of the Chiefs board, it has significant and important information that affects you, beginning with the timeline. In paragraph two of the nav admin, the timeline for the advancement cycle and selection board is laid out in detail. The most important date you will find in that timeline is the deadline for your package submission. So take note of this because it has to be there by this deadline. It's not postmarked by the deadline or not like you finished it and now you're going to submit it and there's there's travel time like by that deadline they have to have it already like received so there's detail uh to exactly when down to the time zone and time uh an email package must be submitted there's also some other methods that i talk about later on how you can submit it that have changed from uh, when i did episode 25 so stay tuned for that Paragraph 5 is equally important uh, as it provides detailed instructions on your reviewing your record, as well as the ways you can submit your package and to which board number, which is important so that it goes to the right place, uh, you are submitting it to. So take the time to run through this message with a highlighter, keep it in your pocket, fold it up, put it in your book, whatever, like whatever works for you. But make sure you take the time to mark that thing up so that you are intimately aware with all the requirements for submitting your letter to the board and all of the other things. There's a lot of stuff in there about the prerequisites that I talked about earlier to uh, make sure that you are, in fact, eligible for the selection board. Um, I'll cover submitting the package later on the methods for doing so, but just understand that Episode 25 has got a lot of info on that, and then there's just some little clarifications I'm going to add to it later. So uh, the next reference, and this is kind of in order of precedence, is the advancement manual. So it's the Bupers Instruction 1430.16 series that I mentioned earlier. Uh, This is the enlisted advancement manual. You can find it the same place. So the My Navy HR, you go to references and Bupers Instructions and it's in there. Uh, Generally, I would tell you to start here But the NAV admin supersedes this instruction. So there may be something in the advancement manual that the NAV admin says, actually, no, we're doing this. Okay, so it's very important that you read the NAV admin first so that you understand if there's something in the NAV admin that runs counter to what's in the advancement manual, the NAV admin wins. Okay, there's specific information regarding a command's ability to submit a message to the board, which I mentioned earlier. This is not real anymore. So just data dump that tribal knowledge if you've heard it. Uh, So just ensure you review this uh, and when you get to chapter 11, which says Navy enlisted selection boards, take the time to read that and you'll find really great stuff in there like how the board is uh, composed, how quotas are determined, in particular, paragraph 1105, documents considered by the board, right? You want to talk about clarity (laughs) on what we can see at the selection board, which everybody goes back and forth about what's real and what's not. It's in the book. It is in the enlisted advancement manual. It says right there. And then, in order to understand what they're talking about when they say OMPF field codes 30 to 38, go to the Milpers manual, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, so, reference within Chapter 11 of the Advancement Manual is Milpers Man Article 1070 Tax 080, Official Military Personnel File. This can be found on My Navy HR under References, and then click on Milpers Manual and then go find 1070 Tax 080. And this defines all those field codes for you, which I'm going to briefly go over really quick. But just understand that the field codes we can see are 30 to 38 and their procurement, which is like contracts and enlistment data, classification of assignments so your history of assignments, uh, administrative remarks. It's a bunch of like page, think page 13s, right? A bunch of different administrative remarks related to a lot of different things. Separation and retirement documents, if applicable. uh, Miscellaneous professional service history stuff is 34. Uh, Enlisted performance documents. So evals, that's where we're going to spend our most time is 35. 36, training and education, so like your enlisted qualifications history, uh, stuff like that, language proficiency tests, college transcripts, and diplomas if they were submitted to your record properly, all at 36. 37 is decorations, medals, and awards, exactly what it sounds like. And then 38 is adverse information, so that's the field code 38 that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Unauthorized absence, if you got arrested, some court memorandums, punitive letters, uh, any kind of drug and alcohol abuse reports civil convictions anything like that any adverse information is going to appear in field code 38 okay and that's a thing that we're required to review and required to brief even if it happened when you were a seaman we're going to brief it at the selection board it's just generally not going to affect the grade if it's a really long time ago and you've obviously recovered uh, via documented performance Um, so the next one i mentioned it earlier briefly but precepts convening order and especially the enlisted career path Some of the most important documents, uh, and they're enlightening documents, and I highly recommend you review them, is the precepts, convening order, and especially the enlisted career path. All right. So they can all be found on the My Navy HR boards page under the board you're being considered for, or in the case of the ECP, it's under the community manager page for the community and rating uh, that you're a part of, also on My Navy HR. It's important to note that the two most used criteria in relation to grading records were, in my experience, one, do they meet the requirements of the ECP or the enlisted career path? And what they mean by that is when you go to, I believe it's the second page, but just go scroll down past the big table that says, like, during these years in this rank, you should be doing these things. When you get down to the bottom, it says considerations for advancement from E6 to E7, E7 to E8, and E8 to E9. So the considerations for advancement to E6 from E6 to E7 are briefed at the board and that is like the holy grail like that's the reference criteria like if you could point at any document as the source document for what you need to do to make chief it's the ECP and particularly that area of the ECP. And then two, do they demonstrate sustained superior performance above risca which is the reporting senior's cumulative average? so that's the two biggest things that we you constantly hear briefed do they meet the requirements of the ecp yes or no so like i if i'm briefing a candidate that's ready to be a chief i'm going to say they meet all meet or exceed all the requirements of the ecp and they have demonstrated superior importance about risk and then i'm going to like brief all the great things that you've done and where you ranked and how many eps you got and all the quals and uh, you're serving in an LPO job and killing it and you're sailor of the year whatever whatever's applicable but those two things are do they meet the requirements of the ECP or exceed right because we're looking at we're looking for the best of fully qualified fully qualified meaning you meet the baseline just bare minimum requirements to make chief like that just means you are qualified to do the job if selected and then from the pool of candidates that meet fully qualified criteria we are trying to identify the best of the fully qualified pool of candidates to fill all of those quotas okay so we really want like do they meet the requirements and then are they the best of fully qualified right and and it usually details the the criteria in the ecp right and it's important to note too that this is a little subjective um there are some hard and fast criteria so for like submarine cs's and ls's for instance there are some hard and fast fully qualified criteria but generally in the ecps that i've seen there are a bunch of criteria listed but none of them are hard and fast requirements it's just i should see this and i should see that it's not shall if that makes sense okay um like there's a lot of which basically makes it a little more vague uh which is why i titled the episode what i did but hey, moving on so package submission uh, again episode 25 or the youtube video on the website Goes through all of the nitty gritty on how to construct and submit a cheese package. There is a little bit of information that's different, and that's why I wanted a brief. Uh, It didn't feel like it merited a whole new episode on cheese package stuff, which is why I didn't drone on about that during this episode. But um, and if you have questions, don't be afraid to reach out. Like if you need clarification or you're just struggling with a cheese package, just hit me up and we'll talk about it. But with that said, uh, I don't intend to do a deep dive in package prep here because it's all in twenty five. Uh, so the only piece I felt I needed to communicate was Amerdeck. Uh, it's the it was an army safe file exchange thing that was used to be used to be a method for submission is no longer. Uh, there's a process for electronic package submission detailed in Nav Admin 220 19 called Electronic Submission of Selection Board Documents or EESBD. And that's available through my Navy portal. The link is in the outline. It will be in the description to that Nav Admin or just get on my navy portal and find it right but um this is kind of the it's like the replacement and it is talked about as the preferred method that or email right so um and and all of the submission methods are in the nav admin all of the discussion of all that is in episode 25 so if you have questions about any of those things go to episode 25 unless you're looking for the EESBD process which is nav admin 220 slash 19 that's where it details all that stuff and the the w- place that you access eespd is my navy portal okay uh so now to what you're probably here for <laughs> how does the board work so again there's a really great slide deck i will also link in the description um, that is posted on my navy hr and the general information page for enlisted selection boards Uh, Your package is in and at this point for the member it's a waiting game And I mean the member as in like the selection board eligible member But what actually happens at the board like how we're gonna talk about like how are chiefs selected and again? I can only tell you what is allowed right? (laughs) I'm gonna stick closely to the approved training that you can find on that board's page uh, To ensure I don't violate any rules of disclosure But you're gonna walk away with a pretty solid understanding of how it works procedurally and how it's changed for the better right So we'll start with panels. So each rating is evaluated by what's called a panel. So a panel uh, is simply a group of ratings that are all considered uh, by a panel of, I think it's 13 board members. Don't quote me on that. And examples are supply slash admin, submarines, special warfare, et cetera. Uh, All the ratings that fall under that umbrella are evaluated by that panel. Right. And so why do you care? Well, interestingly enough for me, uh, it'll affect how I write evals going forward based on what I learned here. So, for instance, I was a panel member for supply. Uh, admin was split out somewhere else at this board for whatever reason. And that's notable because there's a submarine panel and CSS and LSS were not part of it. So we were stuck with supply for some reason. Um that It's, it's odd, because uh, I assumed, being a CSS, that I would be reviewing all the CSS packages, some LSSCS or LSSCM would review the LSSs, and so on. That's not true. <laughs> I reviewed my share of all the supply ratings, including Surface LSSs, Surface CSs, and RSs, along with the LSSs which, and CSSs, which I'm pretty qualified to do. This is bizarre to me because of the small nuances to each rating being what they are, there are even more wildly varying nuances between submarines and surface ships and so somehow I was charged with evaluating the records of surface sailors just as they were charged with reviewing submariners Uh, to me this is crazy I am far more qualified to evaluate the record of any submarine rating including nukes than I am a surface LS or an RS which I didn't embarrassingly didn't even know was a real rate until I got to the board like I was familiar with SH's I just was completely unaware they had merged Um, And it was eye-opening because we write things on our evals that the surface fleet doesn't understand. Like We have titles that are not the same, watches that are unique to submarines, duties and responsibilities that differ wildly. So understanding that, there's a high chance that a sailor's record will be evaluated by someone of a different rating, if not a completely different warfare community. And so you need to write the eval not just to the selection board, which is what I was doing in the past, but to a selection board member that only speaks Navy, not submarine. <laughs> and this affects a bunch of panels. So just be aware of how it affects you. Um, take a look at how your panels have been constructed in the past, and who may, might be looking at your record. Because odds are, it, like your grader is not going to be your rate. Again, depending on the panel. I mean, there's probably panels where it's a lot more likely um k- keeping in mind that i was only part of the supply panel so uh so there's that it's it's i did not feel qualified to evaluate rs's <laughs> or s- like even surface ls's and cs's even though surface cs's were a lot easier I, I mean that one was i felt pretty good about but there's a lot of nuances to service fleet and i learned a lot but i didn't feel like i should be learning on the job if that makes sense Um uh, So, moving on to grading, right? So, there's limitations on what I can share here, but suffice it to say that each member's package, being the the eligible member, is individually graded by a board member and assigned a grade. This grade is based largely on if they accomplished the ECP criteria, which I talked about earlier, for E6 to E7, and if they have demonstrated sustained superior performance above RISCA. We are required to review your letter to the board and all enclosures, and I have to brief those, along with any field code 38s which is like adverse information and i have to brief those in the tank which we'll talk about what that is later otherwise we review whatever is necessary largest amount of bandwidth is spent on evals to paint the most accurate picture to brief your record in support of the assigned grade that we assign to it when we grade it in the tank okay and and there's a lot of pictures in the powerpoint slide deck so as you go through this and th- there's i'll make another youtube video out of this one as well uh to assist with that i think the visuals add a lot to the training but i highly recommend downloading that powerpoint and uh kind of scrolling through it as you as you listen to this if you if the video's not out yet but um so now on to the tank so what's the tank right the tank is a briefing theater with large screens and there's pictures of this in the powerpoint uh, and projectors that display the records so that the whole room can clearly see a displayed PSR and other information for the briefer to brief a record's information in support of whatever assigned grade was was placed on that record by the grader. So this is done so that all voting members of the panel have a good idea of the member's performance and if the briefer's grade is supported by data. So basically a panel member grades it and they assign that grade and then all the other panel members get to see the grade, get to see the PSR, and the get to hear the brief by the grader in support of their grade. Like, hey, these are all the amazing things you've accomplished. And I get to kind of QA that process, basically. I get to look at uh, at least a summary of and, and kind of decide whether or not I agree, and then we all vote on it. Um, so after we review panel members have questions if, if, and they ask those at that time if they have them. And then the panel votes. So all voting members, uh, which is all the normal panel members and then the board president and uh, SEL, all vote, right? This is done using an anonymous remote system. Again, there's pictures in the PowerPoint if you want to see what that looks like where a member can either press 100, 75, 50, 25, or 0. And the numerical score is calculated into an average, and the member's record is assigned a score. These scores are tabulated across the entire group of eligible records, at which point we arrive at what is called a scattergram. A scattergram, and again, picture in the PowerPoint, it's it's essentially a spreadsheet showing how many records fell at each score in intervals of five points. A running total of records are calculated as you go down in score to give the board members an idea of what score will kind of be the cutoff Uh, Based on the number of eligible records, which we don't know going in we won't know how many spots we have to fill until we reach the scattergram Uh, That's another kind of contrary to popular belief We we generally don't know how many quotas we have to fill until we arrive at that point so if there's 70 eligible records With a score of 60 or above and the quota is 70, you may see a vote, which is what happens next with the scattergram that ends up tentatively selecting either A, all the records with a score of 60 or above, or B, all the records with a score of somewhere above 60, dropping from consideration all records of like 40 or below, and then doing what's called a crunch of all records between 40 and 60. So a crunch can look one of two ways. We either redisplay the records immediately in the tank and then rescore them and then re-vote and we have a new scattergram on those records and then vote for the remaining quotas based on the records that we crunched or two we go back to the panel room and a second different grader reviews that record a second time assigns a second grade with the first grade still available to the entire tank when we vote and then we go back in the tank the second grader briefs it again and says like oh I found these new things or I agree with the original grade or whatever and then we re-vote and generally that rescore like it creates a new scatogram where they're usually spread out a little bit more so it's it's more clear from the remaining eligible who should be selected um, and generally that's when we do a crunch is when based on the quotas it's like everything's kind of clustered close together in the scattergram and it's not really clear where the cutoff should be so we kind of tentatively select the ones that are obvious and then there's this area where everybody's really close together and they're almost making the cut so we kind of go back and either do it do the crunch one of two ways to make sure that those remaining quotas are filled with the best of the fully qualified so uh when this process is done um generally what will happen is we'll fill all the quotas however sometimes quotas are returned uh you'll hear a lot of people say this basically doesn't happen And from what I understand, it used to be far more difficult to do. But from my experience, the vote on the scatogram is the deciding factor. And quotas do get returned without really any pushback if there aren't enough members meeting the fully qualified criteria uh, delineated in the ECP. Um, Again, I really highly recommend reviewing the PowerPoint. The pictures are very helpful in, in kind of understanding all of that it can be confusing if you're not familiar with it and have never seen it before all right so now i'm just gonna i want to dispel some myths and tribal knowledge and also just kind of share some tips and tricks right uh the first one's the five-year rule which uh i believed until i went to be a board member Uh, and it was a question a lot of people asked was like hey is this real we can only go back five years uh it's not true uh it was it's something that is uh, believed to be basically that if you have something in your record, like let's call like a PFA failure or a DUI or whatever, something bad in your record, even like a bad eval, like you just didn't do well, like not necessarily you got in trouble. But and everybody's like, oh, don't worry. After you get outside the five year window, it's it's not a thing anymore. It drops off your record. It's not true. I can evaluate all the way back to your first day in the Navy if I want to. Um when it's (laughs) it's mentioned in the precepts what they're actually saying is that we we are not a zero defect navy it's completely fine to select somebody for the next pay grade if they like had a slip up at some point in their career regardless of like what flavor of of mistake that was but if if that mistake happened in the last five years if we select you to chief anyway we have to be briefed on the fact that hey you selected somebody that had an njp which i mean just based on the pace of the tank sessions you're not it's not always super obvious that we did that because you don't really know until the end like you could get a good grade and still not get selected depending on quotas so they brief us at the end they're like hey you selected somebody that has an njp in the last five years um we all review are allowed to review all the documents for that njp and then we revote and it's a yes or no vote basically just saying Yes, we still want to select this person or whoops. No, we don't. Um, And that I mean, that's how that happens. Uh, It's that's all that's all they're talking about in the precepts. There is no such thing as a five year rule where um, after five years, something drops off and I can't see it. I can see your entire record ompf 30 field codes thirty thirty eight your psr and your letter to the board but i can see your entire ompf for those field codes i can go all the way back to day one so just understand that going in nothing ever drops off your record unless it's like removed from like a bcnr process or some other some other way that that document was removed from your record officially i'm gonna see it if i look back that far so just just kind of be aware that there's no such thing as a, a after five years it drops off your record Um, another popular thing that people like to talk about is like the good old boy system right so like if you know somebody or you did something wrong and you were blacklisted that uh, that stuff's effectively irrelevant that was something that based on the misconduct that happened at the e9 board several years ago they made a bunch of changes to the process based on the current system what i can tell you is it would be incredibly difficult if not impossible for someone to collude or swing a vote one way or another if the record doesn't support it right um one grader grades a record and then every single eligible record is briefed in the tank so every single panel member and the board president and the sel for the board and the millington person that's in there we all see it and then we grade it and if something's wacky, it's going to get brought up by one of those people. Um, it would be really difficult to pull that off because the even if the grader caught the record or tried to influence the grader, somebody else tried to influence the grader while they were grading it to give a, a grade that that record didn't deserve, the record is then displayed in the tank and then we all get to see it. And if something is is out of whack, we're going to be like, well, that grade's not supported by the record and then the vote is going to theoretically correct that. So, um, it's just, it's really clear (laughs) if it's a good or bad record and and, and it's even more clear if a good or bad record is assigned an inappropriate grade. And what you see happen is the panel votes appropriately across the average of the entire panel. Uh, and then it'll fall right around where it should have been anyway. So even if somebody tried to do that, it's, it's not a perfect system, but it does prevent a conspiracy to promote or not promote certain individuals, in my opinion, um, you it would just it would be really really difficult it, it's one of those things where in order to accomplish that you would need to have a huge conspiracy of a ton of people and it's just I I just don't see how you'd pull it off with the type of oversight uh, they actually put an officer on all the panels now too so we had an 05 suppo in there with us as well as a voting panel member um, and then, then there's an admiral and a and a, it was a force master chief in my case like I mean there's <laughs> there's a lot of oversight so Um, It'd be incredibly difficult for that to exist. So again, it's like a it's like a myth that's perpetuated by junior enlisted that uh, and and this isn't an attack. I mean, how would you know? But you don't know what you're talking about. Um, Apparently, at some point, there was a system in place that somehow allowed that. But those those gaps have been plugged. Um, So there's that good old boy systems dead, Uh, at least at the selection board that I went to. And then The next one is career summary letters. This is a super, super common question among board eligible personnel in general, right? Even for like senior chief and stuff. So uh, everybody's got a different opinion on it. I'm not sure where it came from, but it got my attention when I was going through all the tribal knowledge when I was still uh, like going up for selection boards and stuff. I'll tell you that I have on more than one occasion submitted one, including the board that promoted me to senior chief. Uh... I want to very clearly and definitively state that I don't believe this had any real effect on my being promoted, uh, especially with the, the experience and knowledge I, of the selection board I have now. I used to think it could be a helpful tool to a selection board member, and I have admittedly heard some board members say that they like them. Here's why I don't. It's effectively unvalidated performance to me. So it's at best a table of contents potentially directing me to documents I would have reviewed anyway. Uh, to me, it's just one more piece of paper I have to look at. That's not official. So I'm not going to take your word for it. I have to go validate everything that's on there by going and finding the document in your record anyway. So for me, it's completely unnecessary and not very helpful. But again, that's my opinion, uh, not universally held by all board members. So it's, it kind of goes back to the, if you believe the board member should see it, that includes a career summary letter, submit it. It doesn't hurt. Um, I just skipped it, <laughs> to be honest with you, because to me, it's it's just an unofficial document of your performance, which I, I it's like I have to go validate it all anyway. And I'm not going to take your word for that. You have that qual. I'm going to go find it. So at best, it's a it's a table of contents that the board member has to validate. Um, and then this is more of a tip is hunt down membership. And what do I mean by that? so the membership to the board is released after the board adjourns and results are are out right so use that as a tool like find us <laughs> my name's on it they go back years and uh are on the my navy hr boards page so you can also just ask around as well like just see what master chiefs and senior chiefs in your area have board experience Um, Someone, you know, has board experience. So find us and ask us to review your record. I just did board training recently and I sat down with an LS one and reviewed his record. I can't tell you why you didn't advance specifically like your record if I if, if I did review it, which I I wouldn't remember because I've gone through thousands of records. But, and, I, and I can't tell you what was said in the tank about your record, even if I remembered, which I wouldn't. But I can review it and, with my knowledge and experience, explain to you generally where the holes are and how I think you can improve or may or may not be competitive and why. Right? Uh, I can help you prepare your package for the board, which is a big thing, and, and ensure you're including what's missing and explaining anything that merits explanation. I can do these things in a way that will be best suited to review at a board because I've been there. Uh, So use us as a tool. Seek us out. Ask us those questions. Um, It's it's something that a lot of us are very happy to do. I'm I'm thrilled that I can use that experience to help you identify like if you have eval gaps. um, What in your record? Like maybe you think you have the world's strongest record and you should be making chief, and you don't understand why you're not. A board member could point to the thing and either say this is why you're not or maybe you just missed it because you have an extremely competitive record in an extremely competitive rating like with not a lot of quotas and that happens as well um i feel for you rs's out there good lord like <laughs> a lot of really strong evaluations in that community with not a lot of quotas um another tip is explain it and i touched on this a little bit earlier but um i'm gonna give you like a little for example so I'm an inspector, and one of the things I find myself most frustrated by is people's unwillingness to explain deficiencies. Um, so people are human, shockingly. Human beings make mistakes. So we'll never all be in accordance with every single rule, regulation, policy, practice, metric, and requirement all the time. It's never going to happen. So when you, it when human error happens, document it and explain what happened, why it happened, and what you're doing to fix it, and also what you're doing to prevent it from happening, happening again in the future. So you failed a PFA, you got a DUI, you have an air-gapped eval, whatever, explain it. If you leave it unexplained and hope for the best, I'm left to assume the worst. And I have to, because I don't know what happened. Back-to-back shore tour, you're avoiding sea duty, or you're married to a service member that's deploying and you have children. See the difference? Explain that to me, and it's not counting against you. I can advocate for you, which is what I want to do and is what we're briefed to do is to default towards advocacy for the sailor. If you don't, I'm, I have to assume that you're avoiding hard jobs. So, I mean, or something to that effect, right? It's just, it's the unknown. I don't know what happened. So I can't give you credit for a guess. Like I can't just assume that you're mill to mill. I can't just take a wild guess and, and give you credit that I might not have given you or not kind of view that as well they're not meeting seashore requirements so those explanations even for when it's misconducts right like like don't make excuses take ownership of it explain how you learn from it and how you're moving forward those things matter to us we want you to succeed so help us help us advocate for you help us give you credit for every little thing that we can um, but you need to explain those things even if it's you know like i'm working on it going forward or whatever like just take the time to explain it it's it's very meaningful to us the last one it's it's kind of a myth that some people or it's like a fear some people have is that letter to the board or chiefs packages are required this is completely false so if you review your record And everything you want the board to see that you feel is relevant to us accurately evaluating your readiness to be a chief is in your record in the areas that we review. And you're extremely confident of that. And you've talked to a prior board member and they're like, nope, good to go. Looks like everything's in there. You do not need to submit a package. I have everything I need to evaluate your record and decide whether or not you should be a chief or not. It's only there if you need to provide us something we don't already have. Like that's the only le- reason that letters to the board exist. You need to explain to something to me in your record. You need to submit a missing document or both, right? Like if you need to explain something or you need to submit something for me to see, then you, a letter to the board is appropriate. It's not required. I don't need you to submit a letter to the board just because. There's it's no requirement for that at all. If everything that you think is relevant is there, then you're good. You don't need to do that. Okay? Um that pretty much wraps this up. So, uh we talked about like how you make chief kind of. <laughs> and it's it's definitely I wish I could share more, but it the process is what it is and the the rules governing my ability to share the intricacies of the process are what they are. Um the references governing the process, we also talked about, I highly 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 recommend reviewing those in detail and then how the actual selection board process works. So procedurally, we talked about how it works. Um, the selection board process isn't a secret. There are things that I'm not allowed to divulge, but uh, it's some of the reasons are obvious. Some of them aren't. I kind of wish they were a little more open about it, but I understand why they're not kind of like it's 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 hard to explain um, because I can't tell you everything. You know what I mean? Like I can't divulge the things i would need to to fully explain some of it i guess but um regardless i i do wish there was some kind of a feedback mechanism for a non-select to understand where the holes were sort of like i wish there was like a function in incepts or something where i could just make some notes um identifying an eval gap for you or whatever like leaving a little virtual sticky on your record saying hey red flag um but currently it there isn't and that's just how it goes Um, But it's important that you know where to look for all the information and what all of that actually means so you can navigate your career and lead your sailors careers towards successful advancement. The things that we do know, uh, you need to be very aware of those and you need to know how those tools work so that you can leverage them. Okay, because while you're not able to know every single little detail of it, there's a lot of information out there about how this process works that people just don't take the time to dig out of those references so uh, just to, to, to close, how do I feel about it? Which I, I think is a question. It's, it's a question I got from most Chiefs when they saw my name on the board membership list, that the guys and the people that know me. Um, I've mentioned it a little bit in previous podcasts, but um, what I can tell you is that I left feeling like we can do far better. I don't think the process does the best job. It possibly can of selecting Chiefs, but nothing's perfect. A large part of that is, in my opinion, no fault of the folks in Millington uh, and elsewhere that developed the policy behind the process, though I think we can do better there, too. Um, The broken eval system is the primary source document for the evaluation of someone's readiness for anchors. And as I've talked about at length, and so have a lot of other people, it's fundamentally flawed. Uh, Not only do I not get accurate performance data... Because, you know, like it's truth and reporting. Uh, I mean, we could go down that rabbit hole, but that would extend this by an hour. Uh, it's just not the system. It's like you have to say nice things instead of, and we, oh, otherwise, you're going to kill somebody's career. So you're not getting accurate performance data. Um, but I also don't get an analysis, like an accurate analysis and reflection of someone's characters, their uh, soft people skills, of the human behind the quantitative data in the bullets and the list of duties and collaterals and awards and whatever. Uh, but larger than that, I found that there's no real hard target. And that's the thing that I have the, the biggest problem with is there's far too much subjectivity in in this promotion milestone as far as um, what's in the ECPs and, and other things. It's like it, everybody, it's, it's a very fluid target a lot of the time. Everything's very subjective. Um, and you'll see a lot of times people see a friend of theirs make chief that, and they're pretty familiar with their, their career progression. And they don't really understand why, or they misinterpret why. And there's no way to know because we're not allowed to talk about a lot of the things that happen at the board either. So um, I, one of the things that I talked about after this experience was I love the idea of promotion boards. Uh, The army does promotion boards where soldiers appear in front of a board convened by local commanders and consisting of local NCOs that judge the soldier's record and use the board to judge their readiness for promotion. And then like, and it's only for like, I think E6 and below. They do a version of this. Like, some of them are all local, some of them are like a local board, and then that gets fed up to like a higher echelon army process, I guess. And then I think like the senior NCOs are all selected at like the big army level. But I love the idea of, of a person having to appear before a board, um, not constructed in the model of like Sailor of the Year and stuff, more it's like an interview process, like some type of evaluation model, um, less focus. I mean, uniform appearance, I'm sure would play a role, but like, I don't care about facing movements. And can you say the sailors creed and crap like that? I care about like really in-depth conversations about leadership and, and your technical field. And depending, it kind of depending on like the promotion level that we're talking about and what your career field is. But I think there's a lot to be learned there. Um, I don't think you would need to get into the technical piece in in like the nuts and bolts, because that's what an advancement exams for. But um, I think there's a lot to be gained there that and, and it would kind of be a lot of the intangibles, a lot of the stuff that's not documented on those evals. And that's not captured by an advancement exam could be captured in a in a promotion board. Um, and it, I mean, you know, we'd have to get into what that would look like and how it would be executed. But I think it could add a lot. Uh, and fill the gaps in the eval process and the advancement exam process. But um, that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. Uh, Again, like I go on and on about it, but um, I left the, I left the board frustrated. That's for sure. Um, Some of that was very specific issues I had with certain like people or certain functions or whatever that I won't get into. But Um, A lot of it's what I discussed. I just, I think we can do a far better job as a service promoting the senior NCOs. Like it's just, and I think there's a lot to be learned from the other services. Uh, The Army's just one example. So Um, with that, uh, I hope you got a lot out of this. If you have questions, comments, concerns, you can't find the links. You just don't know where to go, whatever. You're trying to find a certain answer or resource whatever you got hit us up don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com you can facebook message us don't give up the ship podcast or you could dm me on instagram or reddit or just ask the question in the reddit subs uh at ds podcast or just ds podcast on reddit we got the sub and then it's my username is the same my handle reddit handle is ds podcast as well so i'm easy to find uh hit us up if you got questions comments concerns uh feedback whatever um always interested to hear from you all about everything. And again, I I hope this is a helpful resource. There'll be a YouTube video to follow because the chief's package submission one was so successful that I feel like the video with all the pictures from the, the mine HR PowerPoint slides and, and just like the, Hey, go click this link in this place on the, on the website to find the thing that I'm talking about could be extremely helpful as, as you're navigating this process. So uh, that's, that's coming when I have time to sit down and make the YouTube video. So, uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, and that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship.